Well, good morning, good morning, New Spring family. It is so good to see everybody here and across the state. You can actually go ahead. Oh, you started to sit. Say hey to somebody <laughs> around you, then you can take a seat. Hey, Blake. Hey, what's up? How are you? Good to see you. Ready for another one of these? I'm ready. Let's get it. Excited. Well, good morning, everybody, and um, I hope you just got to see, hug, shake hands with somebody you love, every campus, but uh, if you're new to New Spring and some people are looking around, kind of confused, because this is not our normal flow on a Sunday. Normally, we would sing a couple more songs, um, and then one person would come out to teach from God's Word for a bit, but as you can see, there are two of us. This is Blake. Um, he is our worship director here at New Spring. And we are going on a, a bit of an interactive teaching journey mm -hmm. today, uh, along with your campus pastors at every campus. And it's because what we want to do today is to help um, answer why we do everything we do on a Sunday and invite you and your family to engage a little more with it. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, I do want to say this. Um, as we prayed and prepared this week, World events have truly uh, highlighted for us how critical it is what we do here right. on a Sunday, how important it is that we gather. You know, as we have seen our brothers and sisters um, in Ukraine bow in worship together, to pray together, we, we've seen them singing together, it is because they know what we need to know, that there is something that happens when we gather together in a body like this. There is scriptural merit and encouragement to read your Bible by yourself, to pray by yourself, to sing by yourself, but there is something different that happens when you can hear your brother or sister singing beside you. There's a, yep. there's a faith exchange that takes place that cannot happen when we do not gather together. And so let today not only, this is just proof of the Holy Spirit as we pray through our gatherings and what we're supposed to do, that the Holy Spirit marked this day to encourage us why it is important that we gather. I hope you gain great encouragement today that what we do here not only unites us in South Carolina as one body, but it unites us with our brothers and sisters across the world that we may not meet until we are in the presence of Jesus together. But that's what happens when we gather. Mm -hmm. And this is just beautifully in line with our vision as a church that is not just a statement to put on a screen, but is a God-given vision we believe for our mission as we move forward together as a church family is this. We want to see everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. The everyone, everywhere, that's what ignites us when we see things like what's going on in the Ukraine to feel that as if it were our own people because mm -hmm. we care about everyone everywhere. The every day, that, that incites us to pray by ourselves at home, to pray in small gatherings. Uh, we've seen in Myrtle Beach this weekend a group of about 50 people gathered together to pray for Ukraine. Uh, there's some campuses tonight who are going to be praying together in smaller groups. But it also means we pray like this in a Sunday right. gathering. And with that, you know, there's, that's why we've been in the series Everyday Church. Is because we want to, and I promise we're trying to get better and better at equipping you for an everyday relationship. Because there's a bit of a narrative right now in the, in the earth, isn't there, that at least in the U.S., that the everyday, the Monday through Saturday is like a bit at odds with the Sunday gathering. Hmm. The Monday through Saturday is like the raw, the real, and the Sunday is kind of like it seems, it seems detached. I'm telling you, those things are not at odds. They're supposed to fuel and encourage one another. And I think it's just because we misalign what Sunday is. What happens in here when we gather together on a Sunday? Because we actually misview the calendar in general. So I have an, we have an image for us that I think is going to come back on this. I wore my um, weather woman blazer today for this reason. <laughs> so this is normally how we view a calendar, right? Sunday's the end of the week. And let's be honest, a lot of us kind of fall in to Sundays because... It's hard out in these streets and we're tired. I don't know about you, but a lot of these individual days have a lot more on them than on this calendar right here. But this is actually the wrong way to view the calendar. We actually need to view it like this. 
that Sunday is the beginning of our week. When we gather together on a Sunday, this is the start or the marker of our week where we are aligning under God's word, uniting by God's spirit, and seeing how we can then go forward into our week with one mission under one word as one body. Yeah. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're gonna walk through every aspect of why we do what we do. And this is all throughout the Bible, which is why you have this handy dandy handout that we gave you. It's either on your seat um, or you got it on your way in. And we put this as a house because even in Acts 2, it says that the early believers gathered from house to house yep. as well as in the temple courts. The temple was often called the house of the Lord, so we did a house. And all 11 of these are based on scripture. We didn't just, I think I wanna sing and I think I wanna teach. This, these are scriptural bases, which is the other side mm -hmm. of why we do everything that we do. Now, I wanna say this, 11 things is a lot. We are not gonna be able to give an in-depth teaching of every one of these things because I'm gonna go ahead and tell you prayer, I could stay up here for two hours and teach on prayer because prayer, I'm telling you, is one of the most underutilized weapon in a Christian's arsenal, but that's another message for another day. <laughs> but we're gonna walk through these as almost the start of our conversation and the context for why we do everything that we do on a Sunday. Make sense? Y'all ready to go on a tour together? Great. <laughs> Well, as we enter into this tour, I just wanted to read some scripture for us. Y'all good with starting with the Bible? It's kind of like a lot of the service today. Yeah. Um, and as I'm about to read this, this is from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And even speaking of a public gathering, a lot of the books that we read in the New Testament were not books, Blake. Letters. They were letters written to bodies of believers just like this. And a lot of times they were read in a public gathering just like this. So I wanna invite us, first of all, heads up, this isn't gonna come up on the screen. So you just need to listen closely. <laughs> but I'm inviting all of us to take this seriously and to take it very personally. And us enter into this house together today with extreme gratitude, knowing that there are some brothers and sisters in Ukraine right now who can't gather like this today. But this is the confidence we have. If you're ready for the reading of God's word, say amen. Amen. Come on. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says this. It's beautiful. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near mm with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If anybody's faithful for the confidence we have to enter the throne room of God today, can I get an amen? Amen. Come on. So we're going to start on this tour together. Blake's going to start us off. I'm going to head off stage, but I'll be back out here a little later for some continued teaching. But Blake, Let's start us off, man. Let's I'll see go. you later. Hey guys, my name is Blake Goss. I am the worship director here at New Spring, which means I have the amazing joy, honor of leading the worship department. I truly, I get to work alongside some of the most amazing men and women, some of the most talented people I know. And one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to work together in team to plan this, the gathering. You know, all the elements that make up the welcome, the, you know, where's the message gonna go? How many songs are we gonna sing? What are we gonna sing? How often are we gonna do communion, baptism? All of these different elements that make up a gathering. And I've been doing uh, this planning gatherings for going on 20 years. And in that amount of time, you see so many preferences brought to how it should look, what it should feel like. I have my own based on, you know, my preferences or how I grew up and how I saw a gathering or how I saw church. Then you put a team of people together and you have Baptist backgrounds, Pentecostal backgrounds, you know, people coming who have never been to church, people coming from Catholic backgrounds, you name it. And I had a moment last year where I just said, God, I am laying everything I know about the gathering on the altar. 
And it was this, if you've ever seen the movie Men in Black, there's that, that pen, the neuralizer, that you hit the button and it erases everything from your memory from the past. I just had this moment where I kind of said spiritually, God, I'm laying everything I know on the altar. And it's almost like God was saying to me, if you are a follower of Jesus, but you've never been to a gathering before, and someone puts this in your hand, this Bible, as a map, as a template, and said, Blake, plan a gathering based only off what you can find in here. And so as I began to go on this journey, I began to ask myself questions like, is there anything we've ever done in a gathering that's based on tradition, but not necessarily found in here? Or is there anything that is found in here that we've never planned or something that needs to come in alignment with scripture and it's being driven by a tradition or preference? And I wanna ask you guys to go on that journey with me, just as best as you know how to hit that button because I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a husband and father myself, and I've had so many conversations over the years. Um, a lot of times for me, they're with, they're with men who just say, Blake, I, I love God, and I read his Bible, and I, and I pray to him, and you know, I have community at the ballpark or the gym, um, but man, I, I don't really feel like I need to be a part of a church to follow Jesus. And here's all I would say. If, you, you know, if you're watching online and you're tuning in, or maybe you've come today for the first time, would you hit that button with me? And let's dig into here as we journey into the house to see what does this have to say about why we gather and what we're supposed to do when we gather. So in my journey, I dug in and I came across this word, ekklesia. It's a fun Greek word, ekklesia. And the word um, appears roughly 115 times throughout the New Testament. The definition of this word that's gonna be on the screen is not one that we made up. This is the definition of this Greek word says a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. And that's what we're doing right here, right now at all of our campuses across the state. People have come out of their many homes. They have gathered together in an assembly. And so, like I said, 115 times this is found in the New Testament. And so as I was trying to lift the truths out of this book that are attached to Ecclesia, I'm like, it's gonna take a while, but I gotta... I need to dig in and study all 115 of these because that should inform what and why we do what we do in this place. And it should give you great confidence that in the New Testament, the first time Ecclesia ever appears is out of the mouth of Jesus. When he's looking at his disciples, he's looking at a man named Peter and he says this in Matthew 16. And on this rock, I will build my Ecclesia my gathered church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You have to consider that while Jesus is looking at these men, Jesus had been in synagogues made up of physical rocks and physical stones. He had been in the house of the Lord, the synagogue, so to speak, but here he is looking at Peter and speaking to how Jesus wants to build his church, not made of physical rocks and stones, but of followers of Jesus who gather together with a promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus here is prophesying how he wants to build his church. And then the next time the ecclesia appears in scripture is in the book of Acts, when you see the kind of church that Jesus was talking about being born. Now, the next scripture I'm gonna put before you guys this is coming again from the mouth of Jesus, but this is the resurrected Jesus. Jesus was crucified, he was put in the grave. On the third day, he resurrects, he's alive, but on the earth, not yet ascended. And he's talking to the gathered people. And this is what he says. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, talking about the presence of God that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying that the Spirit of God, the one thing, the greatest gift was coming. And he's looking at people of different nations and different generations and saying, if you would lay all that aside and stay right here in this one place as one people, in a moment, my Spirit is gonna come and it's gonna fill it. You're gonna receive the gift. And sure enough, in Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, look at this, they were all together in one place. When the church Jesus was building was born, 
it was many people coming from many places to become one people in one house about one thing. The ecclesia gathered assembly was truly birthed in its most Holy Spirit inspired state as one people gathered in one house where the spirit of God would fill it. And that's where we get our gathering vision statement. This is kind of internal language for us, but just for you guys to know that ecclesia gatherings are calling many people from many homes to become one people in one house about one thing. And that one thing for us is the presence of God to exalt his name and to give him glory. And so for us, that is our why. That is why we gather because it is the church that Jesus chose to build. And he said, my spirit's gonna fill this and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what do we do when we gather? That's where this handout comes in. And I want you guys to grab hold of this as we begin to journey into this house together and know that everything we are talking about is not rooted in preference or tradition, but in the word of God. And so the first one that I wanna share with you guys, think of this as the front porch of the house. It is a welcome or a greeting because many people have come from many different homes and they're all coming together to this one place. And have you ever wondered, why do we have greeters outside? Why are there greeters in the parking lot? Why are there greeters at the front door? Why is there a host that comes out when the counter hits zero or after the first song? The reason is found in Acts 15 verse four. When they came to Jerusalem, they were, here it is, welcomed by the Ecclesia church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them. This is found all throughout scripture. You see again in Romans 16, verse five, greet also the Ecclesia church in their house. This is that moment that we've all come together and you can, you can relate if you have someone over to your house. Typically I meet my guest at the front porch Say, hey, how are you guys doing? How's the kids? How's sports been? School, all that. And then there's this moment where you open the door and invite the guests to come into your home. And y'all know, you don't just have anyone over to your house. It's a new level of intimacy and friendship where you invite someone in because you wanna enjoy being with them, being present with them. For us, the opening of the door is what we call a call to worship. Because Psalm 84 says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And it's us saying, hey, as a host, many people have come from many places. We're all here and we're going in the house and we are gonna dwell with him. We're gonna gaze upon his beauty and we are gonna seek him in his temple. And so when we step inside the doors, the first thing I wanna give you, that, the second ecclesia element is the public reading of scripture. And you're gonna see that so many of these elements are things that you can do and should do at home alone with the Lord. But here it's talking specifically about the public reading of scripture and everything we're talking about today is found in this book. First Timothy four, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And like I said, there are, this is something you are gonna read alone with the Lord. I do it every morning and he shows me beautiful truths and revelations in his word, but also it's something that we gather together as one people in one house. We get to read this together and see his word come alive. And it is our heart that, you know, it said, scripture, preaching and teaching. Yes, teaching and preaching should be anchored to the word of God, but it is our desire that this be the foundation of everything that we do that it informs the songs that we sing, that it informs that we pray scripture, that when we minister to one another at the altars or wherever it may be, that scripture informs that because this is the word that is God breathed. It is alive, it is active, it does not return void. And listen, my words or anybody else who stands on the stage, their words will return void, but this will not. And that is why it is the foundation of everything that we wanna do. And it is our desire that someone who steps into the doors of the New Spring Ecclesia know that we are passionately in love with the word of God. One of our values is that we trust God's word. So we read in 1 Timothy that you can read the Bible. 2 Timothy shows us that we can preach the Bible. Psalms shows us how we can pray the Bible. And Colossians 3 shows us that we can sing the Bible. 
which is the third ecclesia element that I want us to, yes, hear about in God's word, but also we're gonna experience it. Because Hebrews 2 verse 12 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. Look at this, in the midst of the ecclesia, the congregation, I will sing your praise. Every morning I, I have a playlist, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, or I grab my guitar, or whatever, and I will sing to the Lord. And it, it's incredible uh, just experiencing his presence there. But this says, in the midst of the congregation to sing. And it goes on, Colossians 3 actually tells us how to do that. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish. Look at this phrase, one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This says to actually sing to and with one another. We experience the fullness of the glory of God when we get to sing and worship together. This is a picture of heaven on earth. I know this because in Isaiah 6, verse three, Isaiah has a, a vision. He gets to peer into heaven and he sees the angels around the throne of God. And this is what it says about the angels. It says they were calling, look at this, there it is again, to one another in heaven, the angels around the throne are calling, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. If you were to look at Revelation 4, it says that they cry, holy, holy, holy to God. Isaiah 6 says that they cried, holy, holy, holy to one another. We get to gather together, do both. And I want you to get this picture of the throne of God as best as you can. And the angels are surrounding his throne. And one angel has one perspective of the glory of God that it sees. And it cries out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's telling of the angle of glory that that angel sees. Then on the other side, another angel cries back, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the perspective of glory that I see. And one by one, as each angel communicates the angle, the perspective of glory that it sees, you get a fullness of the picture of the glory of God that you cannot get singing alone. That's why we worship gathered together. It is a picture of heaven. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I know so many times I've been worshiping next to someone who I know what they're going through that is different than anything I've ever gone through. I've worshiped next to people going through cancer. And that is a, the way that they see God and the way that they give him glory is different than the way that I have ever seen before. And it is a new angle of his glory. And when I get to see it through them, I get a fuller picture of God's glory. Hey, if I can be honest, I'm obviously right here in the Anderson location. I, I, I'm seeing a, a family who is hearing the preached word of God um, through sign language. And even seeing this right now, it is a beautiful picture of your family. And I'm seeing a new angle of the glory of God because of what's happening right here. And if I don't see that, I miss another angle of God's glory. It is a beautiful picture of heaven. And we get to experience this together, heaven on earth. So I'm gonna invite you at all of our campuses. Would you stand with me? The reason we sing is not because it's just a tradition that was passed down from our forefathers and it's something we still do. The reason, the reason we sing is because it delights the Lord. Because it is, it is found in this book. It is how we experience the fullness of the glory of God. And because it is the picture of heaven on earth. And we get to cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty to one another and to the Lord. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We're about to step through these doors to worship the Lord. And how you see God is so important because if you see him as an angry father who's disappointed with you, then you come in with timidity. But if you see him as a God, a father who loves you, the true heart and character of God, you will worship what scripture calls freedom and confidence. And I can testify that I have spent Many of my years after following Jesus, just hoping, you know, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Thinking, God, if I only knock on that door hard enough, 
If I come with the right intentions, if I had a good week, if I did my quiet time with you, then maybe he'll open the door. But then I see in Revelation 3, verse 20, that Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open it, I will come in and eat with him. Listen, I, I think of singing these songs in hopes that, that God would just be pleased with the songs that I offer. Did you know that Zephaniah 3:17 says that God sings songs of victory and delight over you? Maybe you just needed to know today that as you sing to God, God sings over us. God makes a melody of delight and victory over his children. So I'm inviting you, let's step in. I'm opening the door and we're gonna join all of heaven and singing holy, holy, holy to him and to one another. So Father, we are here to worship you. One people in one house about one thing, to give you all the glory. And as we sing here on earth, we sing with confidence knowing we are joining the angels around the throne, communicating your glory, crying holy, holy, holy. And as it says that the whole earth is full of your glory, God, would every campus, would every ecclesia across the earth right now be filled with your glory as we worship you in the name of Jesus, amen. Man, goodness sakes, at every campus, can we just thank God again for those who have professed Jesus as Lord today? And before we even just keep moving on through our tour, through this house, I just, I wanna pause and say this. I started coming to this church in 2006 as a freshman at Anderson University. And over the past 16 years, wow, over the past 16 years, I have personally gotten to witness thousands of people profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I am begging God that we never grow numb to the reality what a miracle it is every time someone professes Jesus as Lord. What gratitude and expectation that should stir in our hearts of what God is doing in the state of South Carolina through our church. Amen? Come on. Well, with that, to keep going as what we do as a gathered body of believers, we're gonna move forward in the house to our teaching and preaching. Our teaching and preaching. This is the teach on the teach and the preach on the preach, if you will. And why we do that in a gathered setting like this is this is all throughout scripture. Acts 2 says that they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and a training in righteousness, our rightful identity and inheritance in Jesus Christ, training in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then the scripture that's on your paper that's gonna come up on the screen comes from Acts 11, verse 26, where it says this, for a whole year they met with the Ecclesia Church and taught a great many people. Now, the they who stayed in this verse are Paul and Barnabas. These were kind of like the evangelistic bros, which is not their official biblical title. That is just the one I have lovingly given them. They went on many journeys together to help bodies of believers. So they were sent by the church in Jerusalem to a new church, a new ecclesia in Antioch to teach them the ways of Jesus, to show them how to walk in the ways so that they may, they may be transformed into the image of Christ and live like him in the surrounding area of Antioch. The goal was that that body would be formed together into the image of Christ church family, that was their goal, that is still our goal. Every time we teach, every time the word of God is opened, the whole point is that we may be transformed into the very image of Christ, that everywhere we go, his life may be evident in our lives. Jesus said this himself, that this is real and eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being transformed into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. Is that not insane to anyone else? That you and I could be transformed into the very image of Christ. We were made in his image and now we are being remade in this new way of life. It is to transform us, equip us, unite us so that we may go live as he did on earth. 
Notice how many times I said us, 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 we, together, one. That's on purpose. Because y'all, that goal as we teach, we will never meet it. And I'm gonna say this as humbly, but as directly as I can. If our filter coming into a message is simply the question, did I like that or not? Now listen, I, it is so kind, I'm so encouraged when I get a text or you post on a story or a comment or whatever, hey, I really liked that one. Or sometimes, you know, you get the comments, not your best. And I get it. You know, I'm up here for a base hit, not a home run every time. But if that is our only filter for teaching, did I like that or not, then we will never be the hands and feet of Jesus that we were meant to be on the earth and we will never be unified as one. So I would love to give us maybe some um, more helpful filters as we come into a teach and a preach every week. Is that okay? Three questions, not just did I like that or not, but three other questions that I think would help us as we're being united around the word of God. Number one is, does God like this? Not just do I like this. Now, even within that question is the question of theology. Would God be pleased by the theology that's being taught from the scripture? Number two, what is God trying to tell me? Where am I being sanctified? Where am I being encouraged? Where am I being instructed? And then third, what is God trying to tell us? If you will notice, that's the up in out language that we've used the past few weeks. Does this glorify God? Does it instruct or correct me? And does it unify us? It has to unify us because, and I'm not, I want to tell you this, your teachers are desperately trying to get better at teaching. And I don't just mean the teachers up here, I mean the teachers in your connect classes, how to study the Bible, how to follow Jesus, rally fuse. We are um, seeking going back to school. We're getting feedback from you, feedback from campuses because we know we need to get better at equipping you for the cultural moment that we are in. But we also have to take evaluation to step outside of that, to expand our vision of what God wants to teach us through his word and then go and live like it as one body with one vision in one community. Make sense? It's to unify us, which is why we also want to do it with a prophetic edge, which leads me into the next. Do you see how clean they just scrolled that thing? The next portion of the house is prophecy. And some people just got really excited and some people just got really nervous because we all have different backgrounds with prophecy. Either one, you have no background with prophecy and you're like, no idea what that means. Two, maybe you just have a um, bad taste in your mouth about prophecy or you grew up in a context that they didn't really teach it. Or third, you're like, you want us to go further. You're ready for us to get, get into it. I'm asking you put all that aside and let's just come in line with what the Bible says about prophecy. Because did you know that throughout scripture, the word evangelist is used three times? Now, we love evangelism here at New Spring. If you don't know what that is, that is when we declare the word of God and invite people into salvation, to give, to profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's mentioned three times in the Bible, and we prioritize it. But did you also know that the word prophet, prophesy, or prophecy is mentioned 573 times in scripture, heller, 190 times in the New Testament alone. So let me ask you a question. If we prioritize evangelism as evangelists is used three times, should we prioritize prophecy as it is mentioned hundreds of times? Yes, thank you. It's an easy, easy question. So if you've asked, let's be honest, let's be real. Even over the past few years, if you have asked this question to yourself or out loud, is New Spring getting Pentecostal? I don't know, put whatever label you want on it, but I will tell you we are getting biblical. Because this is all throughout scripture, so we have to prioritize it. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, three to four, it says this. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the ecclesia church. So if you've ever wondered about a definition for prophecy, it is simply this. You can write this down. Prophecy is hearing from God in order to bless someone else. 
Prophecy is hearing from God in order to bless someone else. This is why a few weeks ago, Lee McDermott came up here and shared a prophetic word that was given by one of our pastor friends in Charleston that was for our church to bless us, to edify us, to unify us. But it doesn't just have to happen from this stage. If you're out in the lobby later and God, you see someone and God drops a scripture in your head, you can go share that with them to encourage them and to bless them. Has anyone ever been annoyed by someone encouraging them? Not me. So use it as, as, a, as a blessing to others. I have a friend, her name is Julia. She has beautiful dreams that God gives her in order to bless and to unify the church. This is the beauty of prophecy. That's why we do it in a gathering together is to bless someone else and to unify the body. It is to create a common unity, which is my beautiful transition into the next point, which is communion, a common Union. Anybody else thankful for the gift of the sacrament of communion in the house today? Me too. Amen. This is a beautiful gift that God has given us that Jesus himself instituted when he was here on the earth. Paul himself writing about this in 1 Corinthians, um, excuse me, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 through 25 says this. And when he, Jesus, had given thanks He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody say remembrance. In the same way, he also took the cup at supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance. Everybody say remembrance. Remembrance of me. Jesus is calling us to remember together. What is he calling us to remember? Specifically, three things. Number one, he is calling us to remember that salvation came at a cost. He is calling us to remember that God, this is, Holy Spirit, help us that we don't hear the story so much that we become sanitized to its power. Salvation came at a cost. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. God himself, ruling and reigning, seated on a throne, decided to bind himself to the human experience. Felt pain, felt loneliness, felt hurt. Had to seek God, had to devote himself to prayer. Lived a perfect life, ultimately was arrested, beaten, hung on a cross. But how many of you know three days later he rose again so that you and I could have a way to come into the throne room with confidence that we read at the very beginning of the day? Salvation, it came at a cost. Jesus came in flesh and blood here to make a way for us. So I'd invite you, if you're not a believer, this is a sacrament given only for believers. As we take it, would you Would you maybe halt from drinking and eating and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ to you? So it reminds us that salvation came at a cost, but it also reminds us that salvation was meant to change everything. When we receive Jesus, we've read it over and over again. It was meant to transform us, giving us a whole new way of life so that we can go and live like him. When we take this in a moment, maybe you need If you haven't felt the sting of conviction in a while and responded in repentance, maybe you need to spend some time asking the Holy Spirit, search me, oh God. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We gotta be reminded salvation is supposed to change everything. And third, we remember that Jesus is now with us through the person of the Holy Spirit and uniting us as one. This is a beautiful, when Jesus instituted this practice, this sacrament, it was sat around a table with a group of people who were not supposed to be seated around the same table. As they tasted the bread and as they drank the wine, they were doing it, locking eyes with their brothers, knowing that it was gonna take all of them in order to take the kingdom where Jesus was saying that they were gonna have to take it. So I'm gonna invite you, maybe as we take this in a moment, you need to look around to lock eyes with with someone else and to remember, I need you and you need me. We need one another. This is not meant, many of us are coming to church and we're still doing church alone. You can't do it alone. That is the point of the gathering. 
That as we shake hands, as we look in each other's eyes to remember, this is going to take all of us. The way forward is love, and it's going to require all of us. Amen. So we're going to do this together now at every campus. I'm going to invite you to take your cup, and you can go ahead and take the little, the little cracker out at the bottom. And I'm just going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you remind us now that salvation came at a cost? That salvation is meant to change things. And that you are now present, uniting us as one. Let's take it together now. You can now open your little juice. I'm going to actually invite you at every campus. Would you just kind of lift up your little tiny goblet? And we're going to take this as if we're declaring the king who rules and reigns. So King Jesus, the one who was the one who is now present with us, and the one who is to come. We honor you, your sacrifice, your blood poured out. And we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, you can take this now. Thank you, Lord. And now at every location, a campus pastor is going to come out and lead us in a time of prayer. Specifically knowing that what we just did and the spirit that is present with us doesn't just unite us to each other. It unites us to saints across the world, including those, the ones in Ukraine right now, that we're going to spend some specific time praying for. So I'm going to pray for us, and then a campus pastor is going to come out. Holy Spirit, would you come make this real to us? Would you come awaken the reality of what happens when we pray? That many of us, I know at every campus, may feel a bit helpless of what's going on in the world and they don't know what to do other than pray. God, we say that that is great power, that there is power that is working when we gather together and pray. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would let us in on what Jesus Christ, our great interceding brothers, praying right now so we can add our amen. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Corporate prayer matters. It matters a whole lot. Here's an example of it in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So as we look at Scripture, Acts 12, 5 talks about this because the early church was at a pretty, um, pretty hard point here. And you see here, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the Ecclesia Church. And so when we gather together in a day like today, we've recognized the source of what God's given us as power, and that is him and his name, Jesus, through our taking of communion together. And we take a look at a verse like that, and we go, well, Peter was in prison. Just a few verses before verse 5, James, the brother of Jesus, was in that same prison, and Herod had him put to death by the sword. And so the early church was in this spot where they're all gathered together, and there was something that was happening, and they knew that they could do something about it by their prayer. Each one of them carried this fight. That same group of people just, I mean, not long before that, the Holy Spirit descended on them, tongues of fire. And so they knew that they had power. I'm telling you, church, you have power. There is something that's taking place on the other side of the world today, and we can do something about it right here in this room this morning. And so when we join faith and we go to our Father in the name of Jesus, there is an authority that accompanies our will in that moment. And when we join will together and we join faith and ask God for peace, He'll move. When we ask God for wisdom, He'll move. And when we ask God to just intervene, when we don't have the answers for what's happening in Ukraine right now, He'll move. And so we have brothers there. We have sisters there. There's hurting taking place. There's 
food that's needed for refugees. There's just need, and we can do something about it today. If you're with me, would you, would you nod heads here? Yes. Why don't we do this? We're going to spend some time in prayer here. So will you stand up with me? A lot of times when we go into corporate prayer together, we change our posture and we get up out of our seat. We get activated. Something about the blood moving around our own body makes us join together better and actually push forward what we know God is calling us into action. So we have a slide that I want us to throw up there. There's several things on it. And we're going to pray, pray specifically, specifically this morning for several, all of these things that are taking place in Ukraine. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to start. And I want, to, I want to also give you freedom. I just ask you to stand. If there's a seat beside you and you want to turn and kneel, you can. If you want to come out in the aisles and pray and get on your face before the Lord, you can. If you want to come down to the altar while we pray here for a few minutes this morning, you can. If you want to, whatever it is that you want to do as you pray, you can. So I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to join faith together. And we're just going to ask God to move. Father in heaven. We trust you, God. We know that you, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through you, so acknowledge that. So, God, we just ask for these things. We ask for just miraculous safety for the people. There are women and elderly people and children crossing a border seeking refuge right now, so we ask for safety by the blood of Jesus right now for that. Father, we pray for peace to spread through the whole region, through the Ukraine right now. And that, God, all the surrounding countries, you would bring peace, God, for people in Poland who are accepting refugees right now. We pray for peace. We ask that you would do that. God, we pray for world leaders to lead with wisdom. God, you say in your word that when we ask for wisdom, you'll give it. And so, God, we ask for wisdom for our world leaders right now. We know that in a room right here in Anderson, South Carolina, on a morning like this, we can ask and you'll do it. You'll say, ask and you'll give. Seek. We'll find. Knock. The door will be open. So we trust that that's true. We trust your promises. We don't take it lightly. So we ask for wisdom. There's decisions that need to be made. There's action that has to happen. There's lines that need to be crossed, and there's some that don't. So, God, we're asking for wisdom for people who are leading right now. That that would just, that you would provide it. Father, I pray for protection and empowerment of local Ukrainian churches, God, covering protection for their brothers and sisters who need that. God, we pray for revival. God, we ask that you would bring revival. What the enemy intends for evil, you always work for good. And that's just true. And we know and we trust that that's what's happening in this right now. So God, work it for good. We pray for revival. So I'm going to back away. I'm going to let you pray for a little bit on these things.
Father, we trust you. We trust that all the things that we prayed and asked for um, will happen. So we ask for all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can remain standing. And I, I want to spend a little bit of time here talking about ministering to others. So in our gatherings, week in and week out, there's it's always time for us to minister to each other also. And we're going to take some special time this morning, and I want to ask you, um, if you have family in Ukraine, if you have friends that you know in Ukraine, if you are military um, or have family in military who are being already affected by everything that's taken place, uh, if you know some people that are just in that whole region, in Poland, around that area, and I've been receiving text messages from uh, pastors, from other people. We've received emails here at the church. And we want to offer a time where we can minister to you. And so if that's you and you have those stories, would you mind raising your hand this morning if you're comfortable with that? Several right here. Anybody else have family, friends, military? that Just keep them, keep them raised for a moment. Thank you. Being affected by this directly um, in Ukraine right now. Anybody else? If you're standing beside or near somebody and you're comfortable with this, um, who has a hand raised, would you just simply reach out a hand and touch them on the shoulder? And we're going to take a moment and minister to you or minister to those that you know who are connected over there through you this morning. And so just take a moment, if you're around somebody who has a hand raised, and just pray over them. God, we pray for protection. We pray for peace. God, give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Know what to do. To know how to act. You're a good father, and we believe that's true. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. And amen. You can remain standing. In our gatherings every week, we pray corporately. We minister to others. We sing all these things. We still have some things that we're going to talk about this morning. But we're going to sing one song right now. And here's what I want, to, want you to do is as we sing this song, if you need prayer for anything else, there's people on either side of the auditorium. If you want to pray at the altar as we sing for what's happening overseas right now or anything else in your life, as we sing, step out. Take this time. Take the opportunity to do that this morning. So let's sing this together as we respond.